0: Welcome to Light Body Radio. This is the show for all those looking to integrate wellness upgrades into their daily life. All about the menagerie of ways you can improve your life with food, supplements, movement, mindset, and so much more. On today's episode, have you ever struggled with food sensitivities or food allergies? Or maybe you notice when you eat certain things, you maybe get acid reflux or um, stomach aches, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, maybe even a runny nose or a scratchy throat, or you start to cough. That's exactly what I'm going to cover and what I'm going to help you with on this week's show. Hopefully, by the time this episode is over, you'll be able to recognize when you're experiencing a sensitivity or allergy, if you don't already know. And why? What's going on with the body? What's going on with the food? Why is your body going through this? Why is it being triggered in this way? And will this be forever? Or is it something that you can heal from? And then what are some alternative options that you have uh, for your um, trigger for your sensitivity or for your allergy? So thanks for listening this week. I hope you are well and thriving. Before we get started on today's subject, I want us to all take a moment to do so to take some deep breaths. This will help calm our energy, it'll lower our blood pressure and our heart rate and decrease any inflammation, even if it's just for a moment. So go ahead and inhale through your nose. Inhale deeply and completely feel your chest expand. Allow your belly to expand and exhale out your mouth when you're ready, releasing all that no longer serves you. Allow your body, mind and spirit to relax. Again, inhale through your nose completely. And when you're ready, maybe sigh out the exhale this time. (sighs) Feel the release. Feel your muscles unwind, even if it's just a bit. And one last time, big deep inhale. Your deepest inhale of the day and sigh it out. <sighs> Exhale and release. Doesn't that feel nice? I love deep breathing. Okay, so one more thing before we get started. I promise it's the last, last housekeeping thing. I invite you to join me and 40 other phenomenal transformational teachers, mentors, leaders, and way showers on the Alara Canfield show, Awaken to Happiness Now. This is a global series for wonderful conversations and experiential processes. I have been asked to join Alara to inspire and empower you and awaken you to happiness now. And help transform your life so that you can create the life that you truly desire as we step into a new empowered sacred reality. I will leave the link to sign up for this interview series in the show notes. And the show notes can be found at drlaramay.com forward slash light body radio forward slash food allergies. Again, that's drlaramay.com forward slash light body radio forward slash food allergies. All right. Without further ado, on to the topic of this week, food intolerance. Your immune system, so I want to start out just giving you a a little breakdown of the immune system so you get an idea of the foundation of where this stems from. Your immune system includes an arsenal of specialized chemicals awaiting instructions and signals to defend your body from foreign invaders at a moment's notice. This arsenal includes chemicals you've probably heard of like histamines, and there are many others that are going on in your body that unless you're an immunologist or a healthcare practitioner, you probably haven't heard of, so I'm not going to bore you with, but know that histamines are one of these chemicals that's part of your immune system arsenal. The cells and resulting chemicals are waiting with bated breath for the signal of release And what is that signal you're probably wondering? So enter the bacteria, viruses, parasites, any exogenous chemicals from your home or work environment, or maybe even that person smoking a cigarette next to you. Essentially, any substance your body sees as foreign triggers the attention of your immune system to come to your defense. Your immune system not only fights invaders and cancer, but it also, it also has the function of eliminating debris from the body. At its optimal function, it knows exactly what is foreign and what is native. It should know, optimally, it should know not to attack its own healthy tissue or your own healthy tissues. Sometimes though, our immune systems, quote, cure can be worse than the disease itself, so to speak. So when we have a dust allergy or cat dander or even peanuts, these reactions can vary from mild sniffles to full on anaphylaxis, which could be deadly. So when the immune system directs its attack on native tissue, we call that an autoimmune disorder. And there are many of them out there. Uh, If you have um, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, that's one example. It seems the prevalence of autoimmune disorders is blowing up in our society right now. So really just remember that anything that causes your immune system to, quote, attack itself is considered an autoimmune disorder. And so you can see how our immune system should be our great protector, but it can also be extremely damaging when um, it goes haywire. Maybe it starts mis signaling or it's exposed to some sort of injury, again, whether that be parasitic, bacterial, viral, or toxins that can um, cause it to start misfiring. So what is the difference between an allergy and a sensitivity or an intolerance? An allergy originally meant altered reaction. You can, that's like super general, right? It is a pathological response to a normally benign substance. More specifically, it is a rapid response to exposure, meaning you can experience hives, sneezing, increased mucus production, shortness of breath, swelling, coughing, any of these things in almost an immediate or a very short time. And that's considered an allergy. In contrast, a delayed or hidden reaction, these are often referred to as sensitivities or intolerance. And symptoms can take hours to days to occur, to show up. And this is why to determine a true sensitivity or intolerance, sometimes it requires diagnostic testing. And um, especially when we're talking about food, the ALCAT testing, A-L-C-A-T, is what I uh, offer my clients to, because... It with blood and serum samples, it can um, result back to you what your body is being having a sensitivity reaction to at the moment. Now these sensitivities can change over time, and so earlier when I asked the question, is this something that's forever? A sensitivity or an intolerance might not be forever. It's something that may could possibly be healed in the body after, it. you know, it won't be fast, but it will take a process of, you know, figuring out what the trigger is, where the inflammation is coming from and healing that and focusing on that. And it's possible to lessen a sensitivity or intolerance but an allergy normally cannot be cured. Usually those types of allergies are for life. You can go through, uh, if we're talking about um, peanut allergies, or even um, dust, dander, grass, any of these things, you can go to an allergist and you can get shots. And that's a type of desensitization test um, exposure. So what they do is they will introduce you know, microscopic little amount. And it allows your body to um, create healthy antibodies without going into the full on anaphylactic or full on um, severe allergic reaction process. It's just enough so that eventually over time, your body starts to understand that this substance, which it that they're slowly introducing is not the enemy and it doesn't necessitate (laughs) <laughs> the sort of overblown, severe, possibly deadly reaction. So I, I, I'd hate to say I don't like saying anything is forever. I, I always, always, huh, I was just about to say I don't like to engage in those um, the absolutist terms, like always, never, forever, those types of things. So is it forever? No. But If you want it to not be forever, then you do have to choose to take an active role and make very specific interventions, depending on what you have along that spectrum. So we I think it's important that we see it as a spectrum. So we have our immune system, we have our body, it's always there for us. It's always it's working every day in and out, um, attacking and getting rid of things that could hurt us if they build up. And sometimes depending on our genetics, depending on what we're exposed to, depending on different triggers, we have reactions to things. And depending on how our immune system responds, it could either be mild or severe. And let's just call, you know, the intolerances and sensitivities and allergies are could be all three of these mild, moderate or severe. And there are tests out there. And the all cat testing is something that's done more in the functional medicine. Where aller, um, allergy, t- There's typical allergy testing that you can do with an allergist, which is an allopathic method, and then go in for the desensitization process. So um, just also know that there's approaches both on the allopathic and the functional side of things as well to approach this and to um, heal from this as best as possible. So for today's purposes, I'd like to talk about dairy because I think dairy is one of those things that can be, um, it's become a little polarizing in our culture. I'm sure a lot of us heard growing up, you know, drink your milk, does a body good, build strong bones. You know, if you don't have milk, you're going to, you know, have brittle bro- brittle brittle bones and you know you're just going to be calcium deficient and weak and puny and blah 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 all these things you know the great marketing ploys of the big dairy money but some of those things aren't necessarily true and so in a little while um I'm going to take you through a few of uh fact versus fiction things for dairy but um So dairy includes milk from cows, cheese, yogurt, cream, buttermilk, and ice cream. For the purposes of this discussion, I do not include butter or ghee in the dairy, in this dairy conversation, because for the most part, even though these are made from milk, from cow's milk, butter and ghee lack the inflammatory protein's casein and BCM7 as well as the sugar lactose. There are small amounts of casein and lactose that do remain, but these are enzymatically modified during the fermentation process that the, bu- the butter and the ghee naturally goes through. So this enables most people to be able to tolerate butter and ghee without a problem, even if they are intolerant or allergic to cow's milk and milk products. So but make sure if you're going if you especially if you feel like you have a true allergy, that your products your butter and your ghee is coming from grass fed cows, do not expect to be able to buy factory farm products and reap the same nutrient benefits that would include vitamin E, A, D and K2 that's found in grass fed products. So again, it's always important to make sure your food is coming from a good source. But why? So, the next question is why? Why is this conventional dairy such a problem? So, the first big problem is pasteurization. So, most of these are going to be how the conventional dairy is processed. I'm going to stay away from the discussion about how the animals are treated. Granted, I don't agree with it, but it can become very polarizing and emotional. And so, we're just going to all agree at this point that factory farmed cows are raised and treated differently than grass fed and um, more organically raised cows. We'll just leave it at that. And so we're going to focus on the processing of the milk once it's been harvested from the cow. So pasteurization is one big problem of a a few. And this process heats the milk to about 150, uh, 150 degrees Fahrenheit for about 30 minutes. And then the milk is stored at temperatures below 55. And while this process reduces risk of contamination by bad bacteria and viruses and parasites and all those things, which is good, it also kills off everything and anything that is beneficial. And raw milk from a healthy, happy cow is actually a very healthy and contains a lot of fantastic nutrients and components. So to get really specific, pasteurization turns milk lactose into beta lactose. And this, the beta lactose actually spikes the blood sugar more rapidly because it's absorbed faster than the original form of lactose. So that's one thing. So when you have a spike in blood sugar, then I think we all know all those other things that it in you know it increases your risk for. So it increases your risk for diabetes, it increases your cardiovascular risk, it can increase your risk for cancer because we know now cancer and bacteria and viruses feed off of sugar. Fungus feeds off of sugar. So if you have a candida Uh, overgrowth in your body, then you want to stay away from this beta beta lactose form of the sugar that's in milk. Pasteurization also alters the calcium in the milk in a way that it prevents it from being absorbed into the human body. So this is also the case with the casein. This protein gets altered in such a way that the human body can no longer digest it. And this is why many people tolerate raw milk, but they cannot tolerate factory farmed products because this pasteurization with this high heat is literally changing the structure of proteins. So, um, and this would be the case with pasteurization of anything. So it's apple juice, anything that's pasteurized, it's going to get the high heat, that high heat, denatures enzymes, changes protein structure. That's what it's designed to do. That's what it's intended to do. So it's not doing this by accident. This is an on purpose product or on purpose process. And it's intended to change the ultimate product. Keep that in mind. So another process that the milk goes through is homogenization and this they do obviously for in an addition another step for uh, to help shelf stabilization and to increase shelf life but there are also harmful effects of this homogenization as well milk contains an enzyme called xanthine oxidase and this enzyme when homogenized becomes hard for your body to break down and excrete and we know that this is an inflammatory enzyme, but there's still not of not a lot of information out there. And it needs to be explored more fully to so we know exactly how. But the point is that it's, it's inflammatory. And when we have something in our body that's inflammatory, and then our body doesn't know how to get rid of it, what does it do it builds up and creates more inflammation. So the The ultimate message to take away is that pasteurization and homogenization of conventional milk is not the healthiest processing methods out there. Unfortunately, because it does serve a public health purpose from the perspective of infectious infectious disease. So, I do want you guys to have all of the information. And then there's cheese. Oh, lovely, addictive cheese. And all cheeses are made using a combination of yeast and other fungus and bacteria. And these all form toxins during the um, fermentation process to help kill off all their organisms. But while all the same um, pasteurization effects apply to cheese that they that do regular milk. So keep that in mind. So if you're buying a, a conventionally processed cheese, it's going through the same processes that your milk is going through and there is some evidence that altered casein in cheese also concentrates mold toxins consumed in the animal's diet that's a scary thought isn't it so whatever that animal ate so let's say that they were even if they were you know um, out there grazing in a happy pasture if they were being fed some um they were eating some grass that maybe had some mold on it and and in um, ingesting some toxins that now that that cheese is being processed, it's just concentrating those toxins from the animal's diet into the cheese. Ugh. So now it's time for the myth busting that I was talking about earlier. So number one, milk does not reduce fractures contrary to popular belief and all the marketing, and even you know what big food has talked our medical people into telling us, eating dairy products has never been shown to reduce fracture risk. In fact, according to nurses health study, dairy may actually increase the risk of fractures by 50%. And this is through a mechanism of inflammation. So again, so much of what we talk about. And what we learn about here comes back to inflammation. Also, it's been found that countries with the lowest rates of dairy and calcium consumption, like those in Africa and Asia, have the lowest rates of osteoporosis. So calcium isn't as bone protective as we thought. Studies of calcium supplementation have shown no benefit in reducing fracture risk. Vitamin D appears to be much more important than calcium in preventing fractures. Also, calcium may raise, and milk specifically, may raise cancer risk. Research shows that the higher intakes of dairy products and um, some calcium products may increase a man's risk of prostate cancer by 30 to 50 percent. Plus, dairy consumption increases the body's level of insulin-like growth factor 1, so IGF-1, which is a known cancer promoter. And a lot of this could be that when they do these studies, usually they're studying factory farmed or what we should maybe just call traditional milk products. And so if you think about it, we all, I think, are pretty much aware. And if you're not, then there's plenty of documentaries out there that can show you how cows are farmed and treated and slaughtered and harvested and all of that. And so if you think about that environment and but also all the antibiotics that um, conventional cows are given and even the growth hormones. And so those two things alone can be so inflammatory. And as we ingest these products from these animals, whatever they are going through chemically, now that's being transferred into their milk. Just like as we as humans, when we're breastfeeding our babies, whatever we're eating or drinking is coming through the milk. If we are stressed out, then some of those stress hormones are coming through the milk as well. So just keep that in mind that if you're really wanting to be as happy and healthy as possible, then think about the state of the animals and the animal products that we're eating and try to not, not only from a possibly environmental perspective, or a um, animal rights perspective if we even wanna go there, but just the state in terms of, do we really want to be ingesting all of their inflammatory markers in addition to all the inflammatory markers that we already have going on for us? So that's something to keep in mind. Not everyone can stomach dairy. So this is a a fun fact in case it wasn't entirely obvious it sometimes seems that the medical community and the dairy community just can't wrap, you know, wrap their head around the fact that about 75% of the world's population is genetically unable to properly digest milk and other dairy products. 75% that's three fourths of the world's population. And yet we are bombarded on a daily basis with commercials for milk. It does a body good, not most apparently only 25% of the people actually can even digest milk. So our bodies just weren't made to digest milk on a regular basis. Instead, most scientists agree that it's better for us to get calcium, potassium, protein, and the good saturated fats from other food sources, whole plant foods, even so vegetables, fruits, beans whole grains, nuts, seeds, and even seaweed. So I do have some tips to go over with you. Well, I just want to see where I am here to see if I don't want to have missed anything. So just to sum up some milk allergy symptoms in case there's some of you out there that maybe aren't sure. Uh, the skin, it could be itchy, you can get red ratches, you can get eczema, atopic dermatitis, And these don't have to be from childhood, there are definitely um, possibilities. And I think it happens fairly frequently. I think um, I am an example of one of these where it develops as an adult. So you might think back in your childhood and say, No, I don't really ever remember being sensitive to dairy. But now I for sure am. um, And for myself, mine, mine are mainly digestive um, issues. But I can say that I also um, would get acne breakouts before I quit dairy. And now that I've quit dairy, my skin is much clearer. So it's interesting that acne can also be associated with um, conventional dairy. So yeah, eczema, hives, puritis, which is just generalized itching. Uh, The digestive symptoms can include abdominal cramps, abdominal pain, reflux, colic in babies, bloating, gas, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, loose or bloody stools, even constipation, difficulty swallowing, and fat malabsorption, which is really interesting. And I can say now that um, now that I don't eat dairy, hardly ever, when I do want to splurge and have some ice cream, it only takes me a couple of spoonfuls before I start coughing and my throat feels itchy. And I've, and I've had that reaction for a really long time and I never associated it with that until just recent one, more recently um, when that was literally the only thing in my diet that would have caused a reaction like that. So respiratory symptoms can include tingling, swelling of the lips, tongue, mouth or throat, coughing or wheezing, shortness of breath, chest tightness or sinusitis, which is the inflammation of your uh, sinus cavities. There are some other miscellaneous symptoms, irritability, night waking, anxiety. There's a general overall condition that we call failure to thrive. Unexplained weight loss, anemia, dizziness, even watery eyes, recurrent ear infections, otitis media. And I can say as a child, I did have recurrent ear infections. So maybe I did have a milk or uh, intolerance allergy ever since I was a kid. And no one even thought to think about that because it was just so ingrained in us milk is good for you milk does the body good. There's nothing wrong with milk milk is natural, blah, blah, blah. So Oh, and of course, migraine headaches. That is definitely something that for myself cleared up a lot once I got rid of dairy. Now, um, thankfully, I only have a migraine maybe once or twice a year. It's usually stress or lack of sleep mediated, but there was uh, definitely a period of time that I'm sure you've heard me talk about where they were very frequent and very debilitating. And so I can definitely speak to several of these symptoms that since I have eliminated dairy from my life, which again includes all cheese, all ice cream, all cow's milk so any cow product but i do still use full disclosure and i don't have a problem i do still use grass-fed butter and we do use grass-fed ghee in my house to cook with so those two things um, that i mentioned earlier as well like i said because of um the natural fermentation process that they go to go through it decreases the inflammatory aspects of them so um There is again, allergy testing. If you're not sure you can do the skin prick test. I offer the blood serum testing, uh, with the Alcott, A L C A T. And I can leave a link to that in the show notes as well. If you guys are interested in looking, um, to see what that entails, because with that test, you can pick different levels of, and the um, different agents that you want investigated. So, um, when I became a provider for them, they gave me a nice little discount. So I went ahead and I did all 500 agents that they offer. So very comprehensive. But I think the basic entry level one is either 100 or 300, probably 100. That sounds more right. Um, But anyway, like I said, I'll leave a link to that you can investigate, you can send me your questions, or your concerns. I'm like, always happy to answer any questions that you guys have so and that's one of sort of my goals with my podcast is to hopefully spawn more questions than answers and that might sound annoying to some but uh, uh, i think questions are really important that's how we get to answers right so i want to specifically mention lactose intolerance so we've determined that a food allergy is identified as an abnormal and or heightened response of the immune system to certain components most notably the proteins within the offending food. In this instance, we're talking about milk or dairy. In contrast, a food intolerance is indicated when symptoms develop after eating a food that your body simply can't cope with effectively, but it does not necessarily involve an immune response. In the case of milk, lactose is typically the culprit. However, The true prevalence of lactose intolerance has been put into question by the dairy industry as of late. And so the dairy industry is now sort of crying, maldigestion is what they're calling it. And if you want to get technical about it, they might be right. According to the very sparse literature that um, I was able to uncover, the term lactose maldigestion or malabsorption occurs when digestion of lactose is reduced as a result of low activity of the enzyme lactase. In other words, maldigestion is a reduction in the ability to digest lactose, while intolerance is the complete inability to digest lactose. So you might think that we're splitting hairs, but there is a technical difference. So I wanted to make sure to bring that forward. Okay, so let's get to the solutions aspect of the show. My favorite part, honestly. So what is an aspiring healthy and whole person to do? The majority of humans naturally stop producing significant amounts of lactase, the enzyme needed to properly metabolize lactose, the sugar in milk, sometime between the ages of two and five. And in fact, for most animals, the normal condition is to stop producing these enzymes needed to properly digest and metabolize milk after they have been weaned. Our bodies just weren't made for it. So let's stop relying on dairy for our healthy bones. Can we do that? (laughs) If you want healthy bones, make sure you get plenty of exercise, specifically weight bearing So that typically means weightlifting, but it doesn't have to, you can hike with a backpack, that would be considered a weight bearing exercise. But weightlifting is great. And I feel like if women are my main audience, that women definitely should not be afraid to lift weights. But also make sure that we are having getting enough vitamin D both in our diet, and possibly even supplementation, if that's what is necessary. And you can always have ask your healthcare practitioner to test your vitamin D level, see where you are. It is a fat soluble vitamin. So it's not one of those that if your body doesn't use it, it'll just pee it out. Vitamin D is stored in your fat cells. So make sure you know where you're starting from. I recommend getting it tested. Also, I think I mentioned this earlier, let's get calcium from our food. This includes dark leafy green vegetables, sesame tahini, sea vegetables, sardines and salmon with the bones in some other excellent sources of calcium include kale, broccoli, almonds and bok choy. And if you can, I would really try to suggest giving up all dairy, eliminating milk, cheese, yogurt and ice cream for at least two weeks, and to see if you feel better. And then you should notice improvements with your sinuses with your postnasal drip headaches irritable bowel syndrome, energy, weight. I know I again, notice skate changes in my skin, I had less acne. So after that two week elimination, then you can try eating it again, I would pick one thing, I wouldn't just have a total onslaught of dairy back into your diet. But pick one thing if it's ice cream, if it's cheese, whatever your thing is, try it. If you feel worse, then you know for sure that you should probably eliminate it from your life. And thankfully, there are some yummy alternatives. Now, if you can tolerate dairy, I would suggest try to migrate over to raw only and organic only dairy products. Again, this is for um, to help prevent you from getting cancer from having so many of the health detriments that come with those extra hormones, extra pesticides, extra antibiotics, all of the things that they give those poor cows in conventional dairy. There's no need for you to put those into your body. So try to do as much organic and raw as possible. And also, um, I would also try to say try fermented products, you could do unsweetened kefir and unsweetened yogurt if you do tolerate dairy. Uh, But more and more, there are and we're going to get into the alternatives here. So there are goat's milk or sheep's milk products that are more and more available. I know um, my local grocery store is a um, Safeway brand grocery store. But I also know at Raylies and at Whole Foods, obviously, there are actually a fair amount of uh, varieties of both goat's milk and sheep's milk products. So I would try those out. And it's interesting because those two mammal products, goat and sheep, they have lower lactose, so it's a less blood sugar spike. And the free fatty acids of these milks are utilized more efficiently by the human body. We don't actually know why yet, but those, the fats that come in those milks are um, more readily, again, I said more readily utilized, which means that they're not stored as fat so much. And this helps decrease the increased cardiovascular risk, the increased risk for diabetes, that conventional dairy carries. Also, some other non animal alternatives include coconut, almond, cashew and hemp milks. And uh, specifically hemp milk is really high in omega threes. So it's really excellent source of anti inflammatory and cardiovascular preserving omegas. That's great. And then of course, um, coconut and cashew have their own natural sweetness to them with the natural sugars that come in those nuts. And coconuts are also a um, a source of healthy saturated fats. So keep those in mind when you're looking for dairy alternatives. I have gotten to where I make my own almond milk. Um, I really love that because I know that it doesn't have any preservatives, it doesn't have any added sugar, it doesn't have any of the crap that you find in some of these pre packaged nut milk products too. So unfortunately, I want to say if you're shopping at a typical grocery store, make sure you're reading food labels to see what's in that nut milk product. Beware of added sugars. Beware of artificial flavors. Beware of scary words that you can't pronounce. You want to try to stay away from those. I actually use a product called Almond Cow, and it's this um, stainless steel blender type thing. So um, you can soak the nuts in it overnight if you want to. Um, but you don't have to. And so you put the nuts in a basket, you attach the basket to the blade and, um, you know, fill the pitcher that it sits in with water and whatever else. So sometimes I like to add a splash of vanilla extract and some cinnamon and then you push the button and it goes through its cycle. And then voila, you have almond milk that you don't have to use cheesecloth to uh, get your final product. I love it. I think it was like one hundred dollars. I bought it from a Kickstarter advertisement that I saw on Instagram. But I can put a link on one of uh, of that also on the show notes. And just so you guys know, I'm recommending a lot of products and a lot of testing in this episode. I don't get any kickbacks. I don't have any affiliates with any of these things. These are just things that I use and I like and I trust. And so I want to um, expose you guys to them too, so that you can try them, you cannot try them, whatever you wanna do, but I just want to give you as many resources as possible for you to make the best decision for you that you can. So I think that about sums it up for today. There was a lot of information in today's episode. And I know that dairy is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to food intolerances. And I could do so many more episodes, I could probably write a whole book on just my own personal food intolerances. Um, but so if you have any that you'd specifically like to hear more about, maybe whether it's gluten, or um, any sort of wheat product, or um, I don't know, nightshades. Tell me whatever you guys have been told that you're sensitive to if you want to hear more about it. I'm happy to delve in to it for you on one of these episodes, because I'm sure if you're dealing with it, then there are many people out there that are dealing with it, too, because none of us are alone on this journey. So definitely reach out, give me your feedback. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you spending time with me for this episode. I know your time is val- valuable, and I appreciate you allowing me to have a little bit of it. Uh, let's see show notes again there will be lots of yummy stuff in there. And that's at drlaramay.com forward slash light radio. And then that's essentially where you can find all of my show notes for all the episodes. And this will be the one entitled food intolerances. So let's see what's coming up. Ooh, on our next episode, we I'm going to go over. Um, it's going to be the 19th of March. So it's almost spring. Happy spring is coming. Yay. Um, so I'm going to talk about the energetics of spring and how to infuse the energy of spring into your daily life. So that's going to be fun and exciting. I'm excited about that to bring that one to you. And I think, oh, yeah, review this show, Light Body Radio, on whatever platform you listen to it on. That helps me to reach more people and um, make a difference in more people's lives, which is really why why I'm here. So yeah, subscribe, like, share, rate, review, sign up, download, all those things. And I love you guys. I will talk to you later and we'll talk about spring. Namaste.